Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we're in our series, we're calling Outrageous, and we're looking at some of the outrageous claims of Jesus, um, primarily through the um, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. Um, This morning, we're actually taking a look at um, one of the outrageous statements that he made that's recorded in Luke's Gospel, same sermon. Jesus talked very often about the very same things, and in Luke's Gospel, um, just the the particular sentence that that he pulled out that just... Um, resonates and probably is the most outrageous of all of them. It's found in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 38. Actually, it is just verse 38. Jesus said these words, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What he's saying is, you get back more when you give. Now, that's a pretty outrageous statement because that's about 180 degrees off from the way that we think. We think, if I give, then there's less for me. And Jesus says, no, it's just the opposite. You get back more when you give. And, and, and that even is a little bit outrageous for those of us who maybe have started in this whole generosity thing and started you know, really believing what he had to say. But, but still, as a part of that, that, that even sounds a little bit outrageous because it's kind of like, well, if I'm going to give, I really should be giving more out of gratitude to God. I, my giving should be altruistic. I should be doing it just because I'm a good person and it flows out of the goodness of my heart. The thing is, God knows us. <laughs> and he knows we are not by, by nature generous people. In fact, we are, our default position is selfishness. And knowing that about us, what Jesus wants us to understand is there's a benefit for you that you actually get back more when you give. In fact, he put it this way, and this will help you remember it. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure. Press down. Shaken together, overflowing. He says, when you begin to give, God unleashes a dynamic in your life that is life transformational. And that when you give, when you become generous like he is generous, there is actually a benefit to you. God sets in motion this dynamic in your life, and you actually get back more when you give. Now, this is not a Ponzi scheme, okay? This is not a multi-level marketing program. This is simply a truth. It's a spiritual truth that God always give, outgives you. You can't outgive Him. Now, not all of the benefits are financial, although he does promise to care for us financially and materially. He does promise all of those things, but it's more than that. We get back an awful lot. In fact, we get back far more when we give than when we don't give. You say, well, but, okay, but again, this whole altruistic, my giving should be, shouldn't be motivated by the sense of reward. C.S. Lewis talks about this. He says, there are two different types of reward. There is extrinsic reward and intrinsic reward. Extrinsic reward is if I marry someone for their money and I'm just marrying to get a better standard of living, that's extrinsic and that's hollow and it won't last. However, if I marry for love, I also get rewarded. But the reward is a relationship. It's what I marry for, for the relationship. And that's an intrinsic reward. 
And what he's saying is God takes care of us. God rewards us, but he rewards us intrinsically that we actually get back more when we give. God rewards, and he rewards generously, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So what do you get back when you give? How does this dynamic work? Paul the Apostle wrote about it to the Corinthian church. If you want to turn there, it's over in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9, excuse me, beginning in verse 6. Paul wrote it this way. He said, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, It's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers, for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You get back more when you give. So what do you get back? Well, there is the financial material provision God provides, okay? And we'll talk a little bit about that. But he gives back to us in so many other ways. There's so much more that happens when you begin to give. One of the things that happen is you get a greater freedom from the grip of greed on your life. It's one of the benefits. Now, we don't think of ourselves as greedy people. Greedy people are always those other people, okay? Those are the rich people. Those are the the, the big oil, the big, you know, whatever. It's those greedy people. We don't think of ourselves as greedy, but we are. The the Occupy movement was was the last summer. There was a whole big Occupy, and it was protest against the 1%. The 99% of us who can't, is that 1%. They're the greedy people. Do you know, according to the book, The Hole in in Our Gospel, that if you make $50,000 a year, you are in the top 10% of income in the world? And if you make 75 to 100 or more, you are actually a one percenter. (laughs) Most of us in this room are one percenters. Well, we don't think of ourselves that way. It's those other people, those rich, greedy people. But the truth of the matter is, you and I are greedy. That's why Jesus said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. He says it twice. It's a double warning. He says, watch out, be on your guard. Why does he say it that way? Because you don't think of yourself as greedy. Because you've got to pay attention to it. You've got to watch out for this. Notice he doesn't say that about other things in the Sermon on the Mount. He doesn't say, watch out, be on your guard against murder. Because like nobody who's murdering somebody stops in the middle of think, oh, wait a minute, this might be homicide. <laughs> they have a pretty good idea of what they're doing. But greed is one of those things that we don't realize. He says, be on your guard against it. 
Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Funny thing about possessions. After a while, I don't know about you, but I discovered it gets pretty tough to decide who's the possessor and who's the possessee. Possessions have a way of possessing us. When we first moved to Benicia uh, 23 years ago, we moved here from Daly City. We had a tiny little house on a little postage stamp lot, like the houses like right up against each other. And now we were moving and we could get a bigger house and we could get a bigger lot. We could get a third of an acre and we could plant the lawn and I could play baseball with my kids out in the backyard and we'd have all this space. And it was just like, oh yeah, this is, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be great. Now my kids are grown. They've all moved out of the house and I am the one left mowing the lawn. And now my lawn, my possession has possessed me. (laughs) And I spent all of my time taking care of this big house and this big yard and all of this stuff that I thought was my possession and it ends up it's owning me. It owns my time. It owns my money. I spend all kinds of money. That's the way possessions are. And God knows that. And he knows the truth of it is that there is this natural tendency towards greed and selfishness. It's in all of us. We are looking for what we called last week that the good life, but we think it has to do with richness of having, and it doesn't. It has to do with richness of being. And one of the things that needs to happen is God's got to break that. And when you start to give, it is the best antidote to greed that I can think of because greed is all about gathering and keeping for myself. And the only way to combat that is to do just the opposite. So he says give. When you give, one of the benefits is it breaks that grip of greed. You know what the greatest competitor is of your heart? It's not sin. Jesus said it's stuff. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. King James Version is mammon. Because it has to do with more than just money. It's wealth. It's possessions. It's materialism. He says, listen, this is a constant battle in your soul, and you can't serve both of them. And the biggest competitor for your heart is your stuff. And when you deliberately put limits on your stuff, when I deliberately choose to intentionally set aside stuff and give it to somebody else, to give it somewhere else, it begins to loosen the grip that greed has on me. And I don't think we realize how deep a grip that is. But giving helps free us from that. Another thing that he adds to us. I gain a greater trust in his provision and care. It's another one of those good measure, pressed down, shaken together things. See... Giving is always an act of faith. Because what I do when I give is I take what is most, with most defines my security and safety, and I let go of it. And if I let go of that, then I have to look somewhere else for my safety and my security. So giving is always an act of faith, it's always taking that step. And the, the big question we ask ourselves well, if I care for others, who's going to care about me? If I take care of other people's needs, if I, if I give to this, if I give to that, who's going to care for me? And that's what Paul talks about. He says, he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And did you see what he says? He says, listen, he provides the seed to plant 
And he also provides the bread for you to eat today. Both. He's the provider of what you eat today, what sustains you today, and the seed that you plant that will sustain your future. He is the one who does that. And not only does he do that, but he will also do this. He will increase your store of seed and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, we don't quite get this because we don't live in an agricultural society. Not many of us in here are farmers. But everyone that he's talking to knows exactly what he's talking about. Because every year, every farmer, even if it was somebody who had just their own little backyard plot, every year they made a decision when the harvest came in. How much of this do I grind up and make bread with so that I can eat? And how much of it do I set aside to plant in the spring? And every harvest, it's a risk. Because there's no guarantee if I plant this, will I have the harvest next year? There's no guarantee on that. And what Jesus is saying is, listen... God's got you under his control. He will care for you. He will provide for your now and he will provide for your future. And yes, it's always a risk to put the seed in the ground. But God's the one who brings about the harvest. You can trust him. This is one of the things. He will take care of you. And it's an act of faith. And one of the things that giving does is it puts greater trust in God and his provision. See, one of the lies that we tell ourselves is, well, I'd like to do that. I'd like to be generous. I'd like to be more giving, but I just can't afford it. If I made a little bit more, if, if I get a raise, then maybe I could do it. Maybe, but you know what the truth is? Whatever you are doing with your resources right now is exactly what you'll do when you have more. People say to me sometimes, they say, boy, you know, if I won the lottery, I would give so much to the church. And I always want to ask them, what are you giving now? If I won the lottery, I could be so just so many different causes I could help. And I always want to ask him, but what are you doing now? Because there is this myth, this lie that we tell ourselves that if I had more, then I would give more. And the truth of the matter is you would not. You would do exactly what you do with what you have now. Unless you choose to do differently. You say, well, I can't afford to give. But you can afford the big screen TV. Well, I can't afford to give, but I can afford a, you can afford a second car. You can afford whatever you decide to afford. This, the myth is, I can't afford it. That's what we keep telling ourselves. He says, no, you can't afford not to. Giving is one of the ways that God blesses you and changes your life. Generous living is a lifestyle of faith. It is trusting. And look at what he says. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is the only reliable place to put my trust. Nothing else is guaranteed. He's the one to put my trust in. And when I do that, there's something else that I gain. A good measure. Pressed down, running over. I gain a heart of compassion and joy. This dynamic that God sets in in motion starts to change my heart. I become a little bit more compassionate toward other people. 
and my giving becomes a little bit more joyful. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's what we talked about last week. It's the good life. It's richness of being. That's what you gain. You gain a richness of life. And, and it changes. It changes everything. It changes your whole perspective. Dark, um, Professor Martin Segelman, Seligman, uh, University of Pennsylvania, um, professor of psychology. So once, he's done a whole study on this, and, and he's done this for many, many years now with his incoming group of students. He says, what I want you to do, one of the first assignments, what I want you to do is I want you to choose a pleasurable activity, something that you really enjoy doing. Get your friends together, whatever it is you love to do, and go do that one pleasurable thing, that thing that gives you the most pleasure that you can think of. Go do that. And then I want you to do one other thing. Then I want you to go and do an act of service or philanthropy. Do something that gives to somebody else. And then I want you to write a paper on it. And overwhelmingly, the results are over and over and over again. While the pleasurable activity does give joy, the lasting, more fulfilling sense of joy comes from doing something for somebody else. It happens over and over and over again. Yes, there's joy. There's, there's a great deal of pleasure and joy in doing the pleasurable activity. But there is more lasting satisfaction and deeper sense of joy in doing something for somebody else. That's what Jesus is talking about. It is training our hearts towards generosity. Give what you've decided to give in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, in all honesty, that's a journey. <laughs> that is a process. There's sometimes I ask myself, how often is my giving just out of compulsion, or it's something I ought to do. How much real joy do I do this with? And that's a good question. And, and, and it's been a journey because when it first came to me, the, when I was first told about this whole idea, I thought, I don't know if I buy that. But I started. And I will be honest, I don't always give cheerfully and joyfully. Sometimes I do it more out of obligation. But over the long haul, it has trained my heart and is still training my heart towards generosity and cheerful giving. Heard a story, uh, actually just heard it this week. Um, Pastor Smith gets a, a call, phone call. He says, this is, is this Reverend Smith? Yes, it is. Um, do you know a, a uh, John Anderson? Uh, yes, I do. Is he a member of your congregation? Yes, he is. Did he give $10,000 to the church? Yes, he will. Because <laughs> sometimes the cheerfulness doesn't come right away. It's a process. It's a process. But consistently doing it in this way becomes so fulfilling and so gratifying. And there is a deeper sense of joy that comes from it. It is one of the benefits, one of those overflowing, pressed down, shaken together kind of things. That it begins to change your heart. Last year, we had the chance to go with our, a group uh, from here from, to Uganda. And I've been a number of times already. And, but this last year, my wife got to go with me. And we were, we were visiting in, uh, in the main campus of the school there. And uh, we actually was talking with um, one of the uh, sponsored students that we have, that we've sponsored now. And um, as we're talking, I didn't even hear it until like at the last minute, I heard these footsteps just come running up behind me and just, just <clears throat> grab around my legs. He almost knocked me over. And, and, and it just, whoa, where did that come from? And I turned around, and, and hugging me was Becca. She is the first girl that we ever sponsored 10 years ago. Uh, she was uh, like four years old. Now she's 
almost, well, she's 13 now, I guess, so nine years ago. And the beam on her face, because now she's at that boarding school. And, and to realize that over the last nine years, what a difference it's made in her life. And her smile brought tears to my eyes. It was one of the most fulfilling moments of my life to realize. And it, didn't, it wasn't a big sacrifice. It was $30 a month. That's nothing. But to see the difference it's made in her life and, and other kids that we've now sponsored. Now, that didn't start out all right away with great joy. It started out with a sense of obligation and responsibility. But now over the years to see the difference it's made in her life and some of the other kids that we sponsor. And it's just like, what else would I do? <laughs> Buy myself another iPhone? $30 won't cut that. <laughs> you know, it's, there is something much more fulfilling, something that is life-changing. This dynamic that God sets in place, it changes everything. Have you ever wondered... Ever wondered why you live where you live? Have it ever struck you? I mean, we just, we just celebrated the 4th of July. And, and it was a great celebration. And we celebrate the, the freedoms that we have here and the life that we are able to. And, and we sat and we all sat around. And we looked up in the sky and we watched money go up in smoke. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, a few sparkles, but mostly smoke. Do you ever stop for a moment and ask yourself, why do I, li- why do I get to live here? Why do I have the life that I have when, when I could have been born on another part of this world that doesn't have any idea of the freedoms that I enjoy? Why do I have what I have? Why do I live where I live? Why do I enjoy what I enjoy? You ever asked yourself that? If you've never asked yourself that question, it's a good one to ask yourself. Here's the answer to it. You will be enriched in every way so that, here's the reason, so that you can be generous on every occasion. Why do you live where you live? Why do you enjoy what you have? So that you could be generous. That's what Paul says. That's what Jesus said. Think about that one. And when I do, give, I gain a greater expression of God's character in me. A good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together, running over. You and I are most like God when we give. Because we serve a generous God who generously gives a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over into your lap. And when you give, when I give, we are most like God. And his character takes a little bit deeper root in our lives. Tangible expressions of his grace put actions to our words. It makes the gospel far more powerful. Paul wrote, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. He says, it's not just what you say. It's not just the confession of the gospel of Christ. Your obedience is going to make the difference. Because you can't talk about God's gift without being given. You can't talk about God's grace without being gracious. He says, but when, you're, when you act graciously, when you give generously, just like God in his grace gave generously to you, when what you do matches up with what you say, 
Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. About a year and a half ago now, we instituted this thing we call the Dollar Club. And when we started this, by the way, things were tight financially around here. It was, it was like, this is, this, is a, this is a step of faith for us as a church. But we, we, we felt like this is what God was calling us to do. And, and things didn't turn around within a couple of months. In fact, things got tougher financially around here. But we said, wait, this is what we believe God's called us to do. And we didn't do it because of the reward. We did it because this is what God wants us to do as a church. And then in, after about a year, things began to turn around in the finances of the church. And I think a lot of it goes back to our decision to be generous with what God has been generous with us. And it was a step of faith, and it was times that was hard. It was like, oh, this is a tough week to do that. We got bills to pay. But I think God has been more than clear about his generosity to us. And here's the thing. My wife just got a call. She was talking this week with someone at the Benicia Police Department um, in their family resource center. And, and they were talking about something else, but my wife knows the lady there. And she said, she said, I just want you to know, your church is having an impact in this community. Because that's what she does in, with Benicia PD. She helps families in need. She, that's part of her thing, help putting people in contact and resources and everything. She said, you know what? Your church is making a difference. What you guys do with that dollar club thing and with the Christmas thing and the Thanksgiving thing and all those other things, she says, it's, it's making a difference for us. That's what Paul's talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, listen, when, when your actions match the words that you're talking about, it's powerful stuff. People will notice. And that goes for us church-wide as a group, but it goes down to our individual lives. It's just learning this principle. Others will praise God. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. See, that's what grace is all about. It's the generous gift of God to us. What we couldn't possibly afford, he paid for us. And what was the cost? Pain, suffering, sacrifice, giving it all. Because he was so generous to us, we have found richness of being, richness of life. And he wants his generosity to be married, mirrored in the generosity of his people. And when we do, he gives back more. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So tomorrow morning, when you get up and have your cornflakes, because <laughs> you may not remember this message, but you're going to remember the cornflakes, okay? When you have your breakfast tomorrow morning, don't just take time to thank God for his provision. Start your day asking God, how could I be a little bit more giving today? How could you use me today? Bless my cornflakes. Now let me use my cornflakes to bless somebody else.
Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.